Oh, just very quickly, if you have a cell phone with you and you've not silenced it, if we could please do that. And then also for the younger families, if you have the younger children, and if they get a little restless, you're welcome to take them over into the area where we serve dinner prashadam. That way they can just have a little space to move around and things like that, okay? Nama Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prishthaya Bhutani Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swami
नमो ओम विष्णु पदाय कृष्ण पृष्ठाय भूतले श्रीमते भक्तिवेदांत स्वामी नमस्ते सरस्वती देवे गौरवाणी प्रचारिणे निर्विशेष शुंदवादी श्रीकृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभु निनंद हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा मेनी ऑफ यू आई एम सी मी फॉर द फर्स्ट टाइम एंड आई जस्ट वॉन्ट टू सी वेरी हैप्पी टू मीट थैंक यू and since i'm speaking to many of you for the first time i'll just speak on what we stand for i'm sure most of you know what we stand for what does this con stand for so many कुरुक्षण ISKCON is not an organization that has been just established by some individual's personal ideology or philosophy. Nowadays we see so many people come give their philosophy, give their ideology, and they create an institution. Many of the spiritual institutions are also based on that kind of understanding, on that kind of foundation. but iskon is not that this international society for krishna consciousness is founded on the vedic understanding the vedas what is the vedas vedas the word veda <laughs> the word veda literally means knowledge It's a Sanskrit word. The meaning of this word Veda is knowledge. Every Sanskrit word roots from some specific origin. Like the word Veda is coming from the root Vid. Vid means to know, and Veda means that has been known or knowledge. and this knowledge of the vedas is not derived by anyone's uh, speculative or even sense sensual or uh, knowledge based on his sense perception or intellectual perception this knowledge of the vedas are coming from the spiritual world 
Okay, that takes us to another point. Beyond this material nature, there is another reality, and that is the spiritual reality. This is the world of matter, and beyond this world of matter, there is a world, world of spirit or spiritual reality. How do we how can we conclude that or how can we conceive that, how can we understand that? Okay, this is a world of matter, right? This is a world of matter. And matter by nature is inert, right? Matter is inert. We say dead matter. Everything uh, over here is made of matter, like this microphone, this table, the floor, the building, they all are made of matter and they're inert. This microphone is inert, this floor is inert and so forth. But you and I, although our bodies are made of matter, but we are conscious, we are alive. These bodies are made of matter, dead matter, but these bodies are conscious. What makes these bodies, what makes our bodies conscious? Very simple answer is presence of the soul. It is the soul, it is the presence of the soul in the body that makes this body alive or conscious. And as soon as the soul leaves the body, what happens? The body becomes dead. A simple configuration. This body made of dead matter becomes dead. This body is made of dead matter. All our bodies are made of matter, matter is dead, therefore all these bodies are dead. But these dead bodies became alive because of the presence of the soul. Now, if we want the information about the soul, then what information do we get? We get to know that this soul actually comes from another reality, another world. And that is the spiritual world. The soul is not a matter of some material combination of some matter. Soul is not a product of matter. Soul is beyond matter. Soul makes matter function in a non-material way. The presence of the soul makes the body made of dead matter alive. So these informations about the soul the information about the spiritual reality actually is given at the time of creation by the Lord Himself to the first living entity in this material nature. Who is that first living entity in this material nature? Lord Brahma. So Brahma received this knowledge from the Supreme Personality of then he imparted the knowledge to his to his sons 
all disciples. And that knowledge is called Vedas. So the first consideration here is the Vedas, have, it has been pointed out that Vedas are all Purusha. All Purusha means this Vedic knowledge is not generated from any ordinary living entity. It is coming from the Supreme Personality of Godhead Himself from the spiritual sky. Now, when we approach the Vedas in a proper way, then this understanding becomes very clear. What is actually Vedas are giving, what, what kind of knowledge the Vedas are distributing. Vedas are giving, Vedas actually as I mentioned, it means knowledge. So all kinds of knowledge are there in the Vedas. Different varieties, actually all varieties of knowledge are there in the Vedas. And Vedas have been divided into three sections or khandas, branches. Three branches of knowledge. Karmakanda, or action-reaction principle. Then Gyanakanda, the knowledge aspect. And then finally, surrender to the Lord and developing a loving relationship with the Lord. This aspect are gradually evolving from Karmakanda to Gyanakanda and finally, to the devotion to the Lord. So, <clears throat> Karmakanda actually describing how to enjoy or how to live happily in this material nature. How should one live? Now the consideration is, everybody wants to be happy. And happiness is what is the definition of happiness? What is the criteria for happiness? Fulfillment of desire. When we desire something and when that desire is fulfilled, we feel that we are happy. So, <clears throat> and so Vedas are giving the understanding how to fulfill our desires. Different people have different desires. And the instructions have been given, or you can say, prescriptions have been given how to fulfill different desires. Therefore, Vedas, in one sense, have been compared to a desire tree. There is a tree, and generally trees give fruits and flowers. But there is a kind of tree that can even fulfill your desire. Whatever you desire, to the tree, we'll get it. So Vedas have been compared to a desire tree because all desires can be fulfilled by approaching Vedas, approaching the Vedas and acting according to the Vedic understanding. So Karmakanda section, okay, incidentally let me also point out, these different branches have been analyzed or substantiated 
by different branches of philosophy. And there are six branches of philosophy. The first one branch is called Purva Mimamsa or preliminary conclusion. This branch is dealing with people want to be, people want to enjoy and how to enjoy. And it leads to a principle called karmic reactions. Like as you sow, so shall we reap. As you act, accordingly you get the result. To every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. So as you sow, in simple words, as you act, accordingly you get the result. So if you act in a wrong way, what will be the result? If you act in a wrong way, you will be punished. If you act in a right way, you will be rewarded. Isn't that a simple understanding? Those who act properly, say for example, law-abiding citizens enjoy their life. And those who break the laws, they end up in the prison. Therefore the Vedas are saying, act in a way that you will be able to fulfill your desires. You will be able to enjoy. And the Vedas are giving the direction in the Karmakana section. What are the right actions? And the right action will generate paichi or punya and wrong action will generate sin or power. The sin leads to suffering, punya leads to enjoyment. So that is the basic principle of the first aspect which is known as purva mimamsa or karma mimamsa. Karma mimamsa. So the, con- the conclusion of karmic reactions. And we can see that, uh, with our common sense, we can see that uh, some people enjoy and some people suffer. Someone is born in the house of a billionaire, someone is born in the house of a pauper. Is it an accidental phenomenon? No. There is behind that, there is karmic reactions. Those who acted in the right way, they are being rewarded. Those who acted in the wrong way, they are being punished. And in this way, the Karmakanda section, they are giving us a whole lot of understanding how to enjoy. But what is the ultimate outcome of that? In spite of all the enjoyment, one eventually realizes, I'm suffering. I want to enjoy, I do not want to suffer. I am trying so many ways to enjoy, but uninvited sufferings are coming. Why is that? So that actually takes us to the Ganakanda section knowledge section. Why am I suffering? So this why am I suffering is dealt with a branch of philosophy that is known as Naya, logic. Why am I suffering? And what is the conclusion? This material nature is a place of suffering and this body is a wonderful instrument 
to receive today. So in a world that is made for, that is meant for suffering and in this world in a body made of uh, body which is meant for receiving pain, where is the question of enjoyment? What we are constantly trying to do is avoid that suffering condition. When we are successful in avoiding the suffering condition, we consider we are happy. And when we are unable to avoid the suffering condition, we feel that we are suffering. Do you want to see how wonderful this body is? <laughs> i just give you an example. Take any part of your body. Take any part, no matter how insignificant. Say your little finger, right? Consider in how many ways you can give pain to this little finger. Unlimited ways you can give pain, right? Take a knife, cut it. Take a stone, smash it. So many ways you can inflict pain in this little finger. Now you consider in how many ways you can give pleasure to this little Can you find some ways? <laughs> now that actually applies to every single part of our body. I just, just like that I selected the little finger. You can consider the ear lobe, you can consider the tip of your tongue, the tip of your nose. In so many ways you can inflict pain in these parts of this body. But now you consider how many ways you can give pleasure to this, these parts of the body. So the conclusion is simple, right? This body is actually an instrument for receiving pain. And as I was saying, what we're constantly trying to do is to avoid the painful situation. We see that there is a possibility of getting hurt, so we avoid that situation. That's what we are doing with our intelligence. Avoiding the painful situation. But the reality is, we are in a world which is meant for suffering. Dukkhalayam. In Sanskrit it has been described by Krishna. This material nature as dukkha layam. Dukkha means dukkha means suffering, sorrow, misery. And alaya means abode, a house, a place, a place of suffering. This material nature in reality is a place of suffering. And ashwashatam, if we think that we are enjoying, it's only temporary. Our enjoyment will not last for very long. Dukkhalayam <clears throat> So then it takes to the next branch of philosophy, which is called Vaisheshika. Vaisheshika is, is leading to the understanding this the perceivable reality, this perceivable nature, is only but combination of innumerable atoms and molecules. 
what appears to be something, it's only the combination of atoms and molecules in the self-condition. So, it's, I'm sure it's quite easy to understand. If you consider what's this microphone, ultimately, we'll find it's a combination of different atoms and molecules. Everything. They are all those existing in three states, actually five states. The solid, liquid, aerial, fiery, and ethereal. So, <clears throat> anyway, then they go to analyze this material nature. That is called that branch of philosophy is called Sankhya, the analytical study. And the analysis leads to, there are five elements, earth, water, fire, air, ether. Five elements. And we have five senses, eyes, ears, nose, tongue, and the senses interact with different elements and different objects of the senses are generated. Ear interacts with ether, sound is produced. Skin interacts with air, touch is produced. Eyes interact with fire, form is produced. Tongue interacts with water, Taste is produced. Nose interacts with earth. Smell is produced. So in this way, due to the interaction between the elements of this material nature, five elements of the material nature and five senses, gives rise to five objects of the senses. Sound, touch, form, taste and smell. And then they consider that there are five working senses. Those five working senses are speech, hands, anus, belly, and genitals. So four fives and four five elements, five senses, five objects of the senses, and five working senses. We got twenty. Then they consider that there are three subtle elements mind, intelligence, and force. These are also material elements mind, intelligence, and force. They are subtle elements. And then finally, they consider the sum total of this material creation, the basic ingredients of material creation called Mahatattva. So in this way, with this 24 consideration, they analyze the entire material nature. Still they didn't stop at that. They consider that all these 24 considerations are objective reality. But the objects cannot exist without the subject. So who is the subject? I am the subject. I am. Therefore, this world is. So this I could be found 
in this 24 consideration. The intermaterial nature has been analyzed by this 24 consideration, but I is beyond that. Therefore, the 25th consideration, I, is beyond material. So this is how they are transcending the material nature and coming to a spiritual reality. And then they consider the eyes are minute and many. The souls are many and they are minute. So anything that is minute and many must have a source, one for the origin. So that source is the Supreme Soul or the Supreme Personality of God. So this is how <clears throat> through this analytical study they transcend the material nature, come to the spiritual reality and recognize the existence of the Supreme Personality of God. So then, the, then it takes to the next branch of philosophy called Yoga. Yoga means link, connection. So the souls are minute and many, they are the parts and parcels of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Now how can this part become connected to the whole? Obviously, the souls have become the souls in this material nature has become disconnected from the world. The connection is lost. How to become reconnected to him? And that is the fifth branch of philosophy known as Yoga or Ashtanga Yoga. And this Ashtanga Yoga ultimately leads to their eight limbs or eight levels starting from external purification, internal purification, becoming situated in the body, which is a vehicle to reach our destination, then controlling of the breathing process, then withdrawal of the senses from the objects of the senses, then comes meditation or projection of consciousness onto the Lord in the heart. And then finally, when is the perception of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, that is called Samadhi or Trance. And at that stage, when a living entity perceives the Supreme Personality of Godhead, coming across Supreme, he naturally surrenders to him. And that surrender actually is the beginning of development of a loving relationship with the Lord, which is the final conclusion of the Vedas, which is known as Uttarvimamsa, meaning final conclusion. Starting from preliminary conclusion, it is coming to the final conclusion. Like in the preliminary conclusion in the Purva Mimamsa, the instruction has been given how can anybody, how can one enjoy in this material nature. But the final conclusion is leading to developing loving relationship with the Supreme Personality. Developing our relationship with our Supreme Soul, Supreme Origin. 
and what is the means by which that relationship can be developed? Through love. It is through love that relationship develops. So if we want to develop our relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, then all we have to do is offer the love of our hearts to Him. And then loving relationships will become complete. So now we go back to our main point. What does ISKCON stand for? So ISKCON is giving us a way to develop our loving relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, which is the ultimate conclusion of the Vedas. This process, this opportunity was not available before. But the Lord came as Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, appearing as Sri Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Krishna gave this process of developing a loving relationship with the Supreme Lord, which is the ultimate conclusion of all wisdom, all spiritual understanding. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appearing about 500 years ago, predicted that although he distributed this knowledge throughout India, he predicted that this knowledge, this process will spread all over the world in every town and village. And then, in order to fulfill his prediction, he sent a very special devotee, and that is his divine grace, is equal to Son. Srila Prabhupada came and in a miraculous way at the age of 70 he came without any resources no money no patronage he didn't even know where he was going to stay just came to America without any prior arrangement simply depending upon Krishna and mind you, literally he didn't have any money with him, not even a single penny. He had only 40 rupees, Indian rupees. What's the value of 40 rupees? He couldn't change it to this 40 rupees to US dollars. In that way, in that condition he comes. And then what did he do? What did he achieve in 10 years time? spread this movement all over the world. And although he achieved whatever he achieved in a miraculous way in 10 years time, and the arrangement that he made is making this movement grow to fulfill the ultimate prediction of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, every town and village. Whoever could think that this that can, could we think, say, about, uh, anyway, most of you are not born to have been 50 years before. <laughs> like, could anybody imagine that, uh, that this Krishna consciousness movement will take its, uh, establish itself in America, in Brazil? Never. But today we are seeing 
even in an obscure place like Dallas. <laughs> Krishna consciousness has become a real. And many of you who are coming from Indian background, you knew, I'm sure, that unless you came to the came to the United States, you couldn't become a devotee of Krishna. You had to leave India to come to America to become a devotee. So this is the wonderful arrangement that Shri Prabhupada made through his karma. And it's creating an inconceivable good fortune for all of us. What is the immediate thing, immediate benefit of accepting Krishna consciousness? What is the immediate benefit that we derive? Immortality, no more death. Isn't it? A very simple conclusion. The soul, does the soul die? Are you your body or a spirit? Your spirit soul. How many of you think that your spirit soul is a real identity, spirit? Okay, a spirit soul doesn't die. You are a spirit soul. Will you die? Have you become immortal? Yes. <laughs> See, everyone is trying to achieve immortality, but just by stepping into this process, you immediately achieve immortality. We may not have properly conceived of it, completely understand it, but if that is a fact, that is a reality. It will happen. And what to speak of other benefits? That is the initial benefit, immortality. And it goes on and on and on and takes us to the ultimate point of developing a loving relationship with Krishna in the spiritual world. Thank you all very much. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Does anybody have any question? Yes. I can ask. Take the mic. Yeah, please. Hi, Krishna. Thank you for the great class. I really like the way that you summed up all of the different levels of from Karmakanda to the different levels of Vaisheshika and so on. And so I study capitalism a lot and it seems that the society, the economic structure is is mainly within the first consequence, negative reaction, Karmakanda, people are working. Yeah. And so they can't elevate themselves to understanding jnana and knowledge and and so a devotee has jnana to where they work and they offer their fruits to Krishna. And so it it seems perfect that the, the role of ISKCON would be to somehow translate just exactly what you said on a large scale to where CEOs all the way from different classes of 
workers understand that so that the whole society becomes Krishna conscious. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yes, yes. You see, actually the Vedic wisdom is so profound and so so uh, meaningful that whenever whoever approaches it sees how you know how practical and real it is. Unfortunately, people in today's world are not really opening themselves up to that. They are unfortunately caught up with some sort of misconception, a kind of uh, conceptions, misconceptions that have been created by today's education system and so forth. That is the unfortunate thing. And the Vedas are giving. See, as I pointed out, Vedas are not really rejecting anything. You want this? Go ahead. You want to enjoy? Go ahead. What to become? What to speak of becoming a CEO? Become the ruler of the entire Earth planet. <laughs> These are the possibilities that are being offered. And they are real, those offerings are real. So now it's up to all of us, those who have been exposed to the knowledge, to distribute this knowledge. Thank you, Hare Krishna. <laughs> Any other question or comment? Yes. Hi, Krishna Maharaj. Hi, Krishna. Nice seeing you. It was Denver last time. Okay. Just coming yeah. here. Hi, Krishna Maharaj. Hi. So I just um, I wanted to have a little antidote. Yeah. Because you mentioned um, even in such a remote place like Dallas, Krishna consciousness is alive and well. I said obscure. Obscure. Okay. <laughs> and I was remembering. Um, a story my Tamar Krishna Maharaj, our spiritual master, told about in the early days, his mother was taking a trip down the Amazon. You know, she liked to do those kind of adventurous things. And she was going down the Amazon, and all of a sudden she heard, Ching, 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 And it was interviewing Swami. But the group of devotees going, you know, on one of his amazing Krishna conscious tricks. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much, Maharaj, uh, for the wonderful class. I have one question. Uh, like, I think in uh, 6th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, uh, basically, it said that uh, we know the devotional service is the, the best process. Uh, but this uh, at first, which Krishna says, um, like with analysis, uh, like uh, in Sankhya, uh, we can also reach the same destination as Bhaktivedanta. Like how do we really understand that? Well, actually, you know, Prabhupada put it this way these different branches of philosophy are different rungs of a ladder. You know, by, its, by itself, those philosophies are not the conclusion. They are just the means, you know, to come 
to the ultimate point, which is devotional service. So if we approach different branches of philosophy in a proper way, then we'll end up in Krishna consciousness, because that's the goal. That's the goal. The trouble is, you know, like even the pers- those who are pursuing these branches of philosophy, the trouble is they, they are accepting this philosophy as the end. And as a result of their ending up in a wrong conclusion. Okay, thank you, Hare Krishna. So now we can do a little ching ching ching. Yes, we usually do about 20 minutes of ching ching after the class. <laughs> Perfect. Manas, before you do that, because after Kirtan, are we going to bring the books out? The books of the Alcaraz will be signing the books. So for those who would like to get this wonderful book that Maharaj has written, I just wanted to, because this is going to be the last opportunity that the congregation is all of you here, uh, hearing from Maharaj, I wanted to express on behalf of all of us, and for Sardidis and Ansaldidis, our uh, deep appreciation, Maharaj, for coming here to Dallas. Uh, Maharaj is uh, sometimes not so uh, well introduced in terms of his real position. He's actually the top person in Hare Krishna. There is no person higher than Maharaj in Hare Krishna. The uh, governing body commission is uh, the body that actually represents Srila Prabhupada. Because this question was asked when Srila Prabhupada be, who would uh, be the next person, who would be the next Acharya? And he set up this body called the governing body commission, which would act as the, <coughs> as the Acharya. And the head of the go- governing body commission is uh, His Holiness, His Divine Grace, Bhakti Charu Swami Maharaj. So we're very fortunate to have him here. Um, he will be seeing people between 7.30 and 8.30. Uh, if any of you would like to really meet with him, uh, he has some appointments already. And otherwise, if many people come, then he'll just have Darshan in his room and see you all at the same time. But uh, uh, we all pray very dearly. As I've said in, in the past, when the deities become very happy with us, they invite uh, their representatives, their very, very intimate representatives like Mars to come to Dallas. And so we're also thankful to our deities for expressing their gratitude by allowing Mars to come and visit with us and purify us and elevate us as a community. Again, thank you very much, Mars. We hope you have a great trip wherever you're going next, and of course to Houston and other places. Uh, but we. Well, very sincerely pray that you'll visit with us as often as you possibly can. We also very sincerely pray that all of us will visit with him wherever he is. We both ways, so thank you very much. And he spends a lot of time in Mayapur, which is where his spiritual headquarters is, and that is also the spiritual headquarters for the Hare Krishna movement. Everybody should visit Mayapur and Vrindavan and Vindman uh, when we go to India. Thank you very much again, Mark.